Welcome to Patriots Nation UK, brought to you by me, your host, Matt Inkstar. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to another episode of Patriots Nation UK. My name is Matt Inkster, your host, and I'm not joined by Nick. I am joined by someone else today, and we're going to get into a little bit of the, the Titans game and maybe a, a look look back, a look ahead, but we're not deep diving too much in this episode. That'll be saved for another day. So today um, I am joined by Carl. How's it going, Carl? Good evening, Matt. Thank you very much for having me um, on your podcast. Um, yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Carl can be found on Twitter at BritishPat28, and he also does a Sportscaster um, channel. I'm not too familiar on Sportscaster, I must admit, Carl. How how are things with that, and what does that entail? Sportscaster is basically like you doing, um, doing on YouTube videos, um, but it's all based on it's all based on the sport aspect type of things. Um, it's actually very um, very interactive as well at the same time. Excellent. And how's that going for you? Are you um, picking up some viewers in that? Are you? I have picked up some views and some followers. Um, yes, it's very very nerve wracking at the minute because this is my first time ever doing this sort of thing. But um, I'm slowly growing confident into it. But it's, it's, it'll, it ta- it'll, ta- it'll take a lot of time. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean this has been our first season here at Patriots Nation UK. Um, it's been probably maybe a slow burner is one phrase to use, but it's been a lot of fun and um, a lot of interaction with people like yourself that I've never had the privilege of and the chance to speak to before. So um, long may it continue, really. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say that um, before we get into things that Apologies to folks that might have been looking for a, a podcast over the last few weeks. Uh, the, the last one I did was the Bengals preview game, so that shows you. I think it's been a few weeks, but it was, you know, it came, was coming up into Christmas and such like, and it, myself and Nick have just been busy with family stuff and all sorts, and um, yeah, just had to take a bit of a step back from social media in, in general and uh, the podcast, unfortunately, for anyway listeners that have been crying out for one but we're back myself and carl on this episode and um probably now that we're out of the contention for the super bowl sadly it might go down to one pod per week but we'll play it by year and um on that note of christmas and new year merry christmas to you carl and a happy new year thank you matt and you too um yeah christmas is a bit of a stressful busy time for all of us um I think there was one or two videos that I missed on Sportscaster to do with family and my girlfriend um, lives down on the coast, so driving down to her Christmas. Um, so, but yeah, I'm 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 just very I'm just very very much looking forward to this. Excellent. So let's get into it. what was your overall impression of the Titans um, game at the weekend. Now that we're a few days removed and had a bit of time to reflect on it. Okay, well, first of all, com- um, big congratulations to the Tennessee Titans. They they had a game plan and they executed it 
um, pretty perfectly, to be honest, apart from the passing game. Derek Henry, he, well, there's nowhere to say he completely ran us down. I think it was just over, he rushed for over 200 yards, I think, in the in, in that game, which if which you can't do that, especially on your home, especially on your home turf. Um, as far as the New England Patriots are concerned, this was, I think this was very, very obvious what was going wrong. Um, even though Brady threw for 209 yards, okay, through the interception, but it was literally at the end of the game. And when you're throwing from your own one yard line, that's always going to be, it's always going to be risky. But the offense overall was, was, was just terrible. Parts of it, you can blame Brady for, for throwing and under throwing. Some blame is on Josh McDaniels because his play calling wasn't very good. And also the receiving core, which is probably the worst supporting cast that Brady has probably ever had in his career. If it, that's, that's if you agree. Yeah, it's, it's been a debate on Patriots Nation UK the whole season of um, how good has this sort of supporting cast, if you will, been. Um, you know, he's he's worked with probably arguably worse players before. Um, Dobson and Tompkins kind of spring to mind as two um, possible ones. Jonas Gray was there for all of five seconds at one point, you know, the, he's not had the greatest, but at the same time, um, he also has worked with some of the greatest in um, Randy Moss and maybe he who shall not be named who might have scored some points in the Miami game. Um, so we've had glimmers of hope and I remember throughout the season talking about it with various people that, you know, in what, April, May, we had the likes of Bruce Ellington on the the roster going into mini camp, and he eventually turns up throwing balls to Colin Kaepernick, and we've had Antonio Brown, and but come November we were stuck with who we have, and I don't know if, whether it was a trust issue with them in general that led to things being halted at the weekend or what it might have been, but. Yeah, as you say, there just wasn't much there. I have read since, um, just in the last um, half hour or so, that I can't remember who it was to give the credit on Twitter, that Brady has been dealing with a number of injuries in the last couple of months that might hint at why the accuracy wasn't there, I guess, possibly. Um, But offensive line and running game, let us down once more, I think. So that was my overall impression. But speaking of the offense, um, can you pinpoint somewhere exactly where it all went wrong, Carl? Um, there's a well, there's a few things I could run run over here. And the first one, it was, I'm not even going to go into the season. I'm actually going to go into the NFL draft. Because obviously this is the first time in Bill Belichick's coaching career that he's drafted a wide receiver in the first round. And that was obviously to kill Harry out of Arizona State. But there's a number of names on here which of which were in the second round and third round that we could have easily have picked up. And 
pretty much all of them, or maybe excluding one of them in McCall Hardman playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, but have all actually done really, really well this season. Um, you look at Debo Samuel from the San Francisco 49ers. You look at AJ Brown for the Tennessee Titans. Um, you can look, look at DK Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks, even though he was one of the worst route runners, but the combine, he absolutely blew up. And then in the third round, there was um, Terry McLaurin, who went to um, the Washington Redskins. And every time I was watching Red Zone and it went to um, a Red Zone opportunity for the Redskins, it was McLaurin catching the ball and going for touchdowns. Um, so I think the Kill Harry has got the talent. But this season, obviously, he was injured for the first, I think it was for the first eight games. He didn't play until it was either the Eagles or the Dallas game. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it was week 10 before he, he finally got on the field. Yeah, week yeah week 10 against the Eagles then. Um, he did show glimpses, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's difficult for the kill Harry, especially for any receiver to come into a new team unless you hit the ground running. Um, and especially a wide receiver coming into the New England Patriots, because if there's one thing that Bill Belichick doesn't do that well, is draft wide receivers. And and if you go back through the history, you could probably you could probably understand you could probably see why. He always goes to free agency or he trades for veteran receivers because he knows because he knows um, their experience. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I'm just looking th- back through things, and maybe I don't know. I'm trying not to deviate too much from the actual game itself, but it's hard not to at, at this point in the season when you know we're not looking. F- well, we are going to be looking forward of it, but you know, I mean, not to this weekend. We're looking beyond. February now already, unfortunately for us. But um, Sanu being picked up hasn't been the pickup that everyone thought he might be when we gave away a second or, or traded away a second round for him. Um, when it looked like it was between him and Sanders, um, myself included, I didn't really think um, Sanders was the person to pick up out of the two of them. Um, I'll, maybe I got that wrong. Maybe. The Patriots in general got that wrong, given what he's done for the 49ers since. Yeah. Um, but I think, I don't know, I, I just think the the running game let us down in this one big time. So, Sony Michelle, 61 yards from 14 carries. James White, um, 14 yards from one. Uh, Edelman with a rushing touchdown rather than receiving touchdowns. Um White could only muster 62 yards reception yards um, Burkhead with half of that Burkhead was the man man of the hour I guess um, towards this time last season and I, I was maybe looking for him to kick on in this game and do something but maybe maybe the actual game last season and even if you want to look at the preseason game for as much as you might, might take that as a pinch of salt, the two games against the Titans in, in recent times haven't been the greatest for us. I know we we won in the preseason game, but um, it wasn't by a convincing margin by any means, so that's for sure. So the warning signs were there, um, 
Bill Belichick in the the press conference after he was ready to play normal Bill Belichick ball and just not say very much, <laughs> which was quite um, comical in some aspects, I guess. Because well, Bill Belichick very... never says much in press conferences anyway. It's usually one word answers, and the reporters absolutely hate it. Yeah, they exactly, and that's hate it going to Bill Belichick and asking questions because it will just give you one two word answers and then. Yeah, they, they yeah they want answers and unfortunately they don't get them. But that's um, that's Bill Belichick in a nutshell. But yeah, no, you're right. And at the same time, it's we all want answers, not not just the press. I mean, we're we're sitting here having a conversation about it right now, and um, we would like answers, but we're obviously not getting them anytime soon, and it's just what is is what is and what will be will be but you know the I think we can agree the offence was disappointing overall really can't we I'm trying not to say bad words to this offence I think the worst word I could probably give this offence is putrid if 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 that's okay <laughs> because the running game was the running game really has been non-existent all season uh, Sony Michelle come into a sophomore year and when I do NFL fantasy, um, one expert said, don't draft Sony Michelle because he's, he's going to have a drop off year. You, and I was like, God, that's not a good sign for us as Patriots fans. And he was a 100 percent right. Um, he didn't have his best season. Um, it felt like he was just holding back a little bit. Um, I think the, but the running game. I think it's just been a problem all season long. I think even when we had Ted Karras, sorry, not Ted Karras, beg your pardon, um, David Andrews on the centre and James Devlin at fullback, I still think there was something not right with the with the with the offensive line. Um, I mean, Shaq Mason got paid last season and this season he's been he's been terrible. Um, Tooney's probably been our best. It's probably been our best O lineman this season. Ted Cass has done all right, um, but he's no David Andrews, and we got and we've been decimated by injuries, left, right, left, right, and centre. Yeah, I was uh, myself and Nick. We discussed that earlier on the season at the time that Wynn was coming back, and I felt sorry for the the kid because a lot of expectation, a lot of almost the Super Bowl rested on his shoulders, if you will. Um he's coming back in at left tackle. He's the um the saviour Newhouse's rubbish, which kind of panned out that way and um the the wind's gonna come back in, it's gonna be great, the line's gonna be amazing and it just didn't work out like that. And that I said I spread caution at the time saying that um you know, don't look for fast work and miracles here that might it'll improve but might not improve to the what you're expecting it and it was kind of proved right really um that the running game i mean you need a running game i i actually watched america's game from last year to kind of pick myself up a little bit after the doom and gloom of the past few days and um edelman states that in america's game you yeah. need a running game which opens up for everything else and it just wasn't there and you can see the difference that a running game can give you in the opposition um, 
and it's the Titans that are going forward to the next round and not us. Yeah, I think last season, obviously, when we played the Chargers in the divisional round, the running game was literally on point. I think Sony Michelle ran in for, for I think, three touchdowns in that game. And yeah. we just and the Chargers were had to were meant to have one of the best um, defenses in the NFL, and the Patriots absolutely crucified them on the running game. Um, I'm not gonna go to Kansas City because their defense was not very good last season compared to this season. But um, over, but overall, it's just yeah, the offense has just not been has just been not that good. During that Titans game, although Brady threw 20 or 37, he had 54% completion, none of his receivers were getting open. Uh, I, I think I think Edel- Edelman has just been, he's had, he's basically a dead man walking. He had shoulder injury, knee injury, he had cracked ribs. Uh, I mean, he, he's literally, he was literally a broken man, he was. So Brady's then relying on him and James White because that's all he trusts. He doesn't trust Nikhil Harry when he eventually comes back. He doesn't trust Jacoby Myers, who's an undrafted rookie, which in preseason I thought, okay, this kid might have some potential here. But unfortunately, that hasn't happened. And then you've got the tight ends, which since Gronk has now gone, the tight end, well, there wasn't any. Ben Watson showed his age and Matt Lacoste, I mean, there's a reason why he's been he's been on three teams already in his NFL career. He's he's not much of a catcher and he's not much of a blocker either. So it, it kind of all add, it kind of all adds up, really. Yeah, it does, unfortunately. And um, you're right enough. I think a lot of people had high hopes, myself included, for Myers um, coming into the season. Training camp seemed to be going well. Preseason was going decent. You can um jump for balls, he can, you know, catch the high balls, Harry could catch the high balls and it's just Yeah, I think you're right in what you're saying. The the trust is didn't seem to be there and you could see it um blatantly, um, even in uh you, you I'll start again. You could see it blatantly in the game on Saturday night and it's Sunday morning our time that um any time that he kind of looked at Harry and I think there was a couple of um, throws he, he gave his way and he didn't catch them that he it's a it's the thing that to have a British European soccer comparison I've seen it um, happen before where you have someone say the likes of Ronaldo or Messi who is then playing with someone that's you know that f- three four levels below and but I've seen it with Pogba even as well. That was part of his issue is, um, you know, they'll pass in open space expecting the man to be there, and they're not. And he said, mm-hmm. like, "Well, you should be there." Oh, but I'm not because I'm actually not that good to get there, or I've just not learned, or in Harry's case, I've not learned the system well enough, or whatever it might be. But you can see that Brady's. He's. It looks like an overthrow, but I don't think it is. I think it's just that he's expecting someone to be there that's just not. And that's where the trust factor kind of erodes, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that, that yeah, there was one key throw in that game where um, 
I think Brady was in a red zone opportunity and he did throw to the corner and the kill Harry was there. And instead of Harry just um, running backwards and trying to dive for the ball, knowing he would have got two feet in bounds, he just tried to have a jump. He just tried to have a jump ball on it rather than try and chase after it. And he, you know, you've got to be a little bit more vigilant about that, especially when you've got a cornerback on you. Yeah, and um, so speaking of cornerbacks, uh, I think we'll swap over to the D. And where do you think it? It all went wrong and unravelled. Um, I think the obvious probably starting point is the running game and how Henry just ran through them like a bowling ball in ten in ten pins, standing in front of him and gets a strike every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head. Where, um, yeah, Derek. Yeah, the first problem with the defense against Tennessee was, yeah, the running game. We couldn't stop a nosebleed. It was pure and simple. Uh, we bought we got two defensive tackles in in off season and that was hoped to shore up the run and unfortunately in this game it made it worse um i was expecting hightower to be the main guy to try and stop the run because he's a big bruise and he's probably the only one out of that back line that could actually have stopped derrick henry um and i think that that was the catalyst and also because our they're Tennessee's offensive line was so much better. They created so many holes in there. You could fit two Derrick Henrys in there. It was it was it was ridiculous. I was absolutely seething when I was watching. I thought you can't allow him this much space. He will kill you. And that's what he done on the ground. Two hundred and one two hundred one yards rushing and a touchdown. One hundred twenty of them were in the first half. And you can't mm. do that. You you physically can't do that. Um, but with regards to the passing game, I mean, there really was no passing game from Tennessee, was there? I mean, I think it was Ryan Tannehill threw eight balls. He threw eight <laughs> balls all game. So it just showed you how much of a all we had to do was stop the run, and then you put then you put the ball in the hands of Ryan Tannehill, who <laughs> I don't really want to see him ever again now because after what he'd done after what he was doing in Miami against us at the Miami Miracle I don't really want to see him ever again but um, but as far as the passing defense was concerned obviously Stefan Gilmore apart from him getting burned alive by Devontae Parker he's been he's been sensational for for us he's he's done amazingly well and so it was the other two young corners in um jc jackson and jonathan jones as well they've both played and they've both played exceptional devon mccordy um he played at a high very high level um patrick chung i think he did decent but i think he's on the tail end of his career now but yeah the one thing the one thing that came to mind it was as, soon, as the season went on and on our running defense got started to get very susceptible and that's when we thought okay this defense maybe isn't the boogie isn't the boogie men of what we thought they might be no it's been there all season and in one form or another whether it be um frank gore or miles sanders or um Zeke managed to get a decent run on us. You know the the running that has the threat has been there all year that you can rack up a hundred plus yards. But you know I wasn't expecting the 
the levels of what Henry got on Saturday night, unfortunately for us, um, he managed to do it. And yeah, you're right with uh, Tanhill. He threw 15 times the whole game for eight completions. 72 yards is... is to, to still get 20 points off a of 72 yards throwing is... Well, Mario, I got four, so it's 76. It's just... It's, it's kind of quite ludicrous, really, especially when mm-hmm. you consider some of the... But the receiving game is so weird because, you know, was it the week before? I think week 17, um, AJ Brown looked an absolute superstar and he has done previous games all year and he's definitely... Um, he bounded up that um, depth chart um, as yeah. the season progressed for them, for sure. But... Um, I've talked to, about the Titans with other people before, and in terms of fantasy, at least anyway, you had Henry and and Tannehill, uh, especially well the back end of the season. Anyway, it was right Henry and Tannehill. You didn't AJ Brown was there, but he was hit a mess in this game. If you were playing fantasy, he was a mess, um, right. and he only managed four yards. So they only had they've only got two offensive weapons really. Mm. Um, but still managed to rack up 20 points in, in the win, unfortunately. So you win some, you lose some, I guess. Um, uh, I'm just glad we're still here. We're still supporting them, except now because I've read some nonsense over the, the course of the weekend um, and seen some nonsense of Brady jerseys being burned and I'm guessing you'll have seen that Boston Herald. Um, yes, I've um, I, I, I've seen what, Yeah, I've seen that on Twitter, and a lot of people have turned around to say they're not really patriots, and they're just guys down in the south. You can tell from their accent. I mean, well, I mean, I'm British. I mean, American accent is American accent, except if it's Texas, so it's got a twang to it. But that's about it. Um, but yeah, I've seen the headline of the Boston Herald. Um, to slate your own, to slate your own town's franchise, I think is a bit disrespectful, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, but this is the me, this is the um, boss, this is the Boston media, well, the media of America, really. They'll always try and find a way to to add fuel to the fire in any sort of aspect, um, especially if you watch um, show. Like um, first things first, first take, undisputed, the Colin Cowherd show, that sort of thing. They're always going to try and uh, and try and wind up Patriots fans in every in every way possible. But I don't look at it like that. I knew that there was issues going in against Tennessee, um, which is why when I'd done my video two weeks ago, I did turn around and, and and scream down the microphone, we are not capable of beating Tennessee. We haven't got the offense for this job. Because this was, this was not a normal NFL game. This was more like a mud wrestling type of game because it was just a ground, it was just a ground and pound from the Titans all, all night long. Yeah, they come in with a game plan and they execute it well, I must admit. And as you mentioned earlier about the interception, it was from the one-yard line, trying to push something that wasn't there to try and get up the field and, and try and square the game off. And I said it in pre-season, and um, I'll say it again, although it's a bit more hurtful this time, is I'm pleased for Logan Ryan because I've been a fan of his for 
for years when he was with us and when he's moved to the Titans because um, as well as being a good player on the field, I've always respected him for what he does off the field with his, the, the dog charities and such like that he gets involved with. So um, from that point of view, I was pleased for him to get the pick six, but from mm. our perspective and as a Patriots fan, I was displeased that um, it happened, but it was seconds to go. So the game was pretty much finished at the time anyway so oh, the thing um, yeah the thing yeah, is sli- which is um the, yeah, the thing is which is slightly embarrassing for Brady his last two interceptions have been pick sixes and they've all gone to his former cornerbacks Logan yeah. Ryan for Tennessee Titans and 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 Eric Rowe who I who com- who I was when uh we played the Eagles in Super Bowl 52 he got absolutely torn to shreds. I'm like, get this corner off. Where's Malcolm Butler, for goodness sake? Um, so, yeah, two former Patriots have actually picked off Brady and sent it back for a touchdown. I don't think that that's not going to be very, that's not very good. No, no, not generally speaking, no, it's no. not. But as I said, as a, from a personal um perspective and point of view I was happy to see that if it was going to be anyone it was Logan Ryan um, <laughs> getting it because as I say I've got much admiration for him on and off the field even though he's not a patriot anymore and he still does great work in the community and try to save dogs from being put down and things that they, they do over there thankfully we don't really seem to do it here as often as they do in America so um, someone's got to look after the, the four-legged friends and um, yeah, he does a grand job at it. Um, yeah. So, was there anything else you wanted to to add on the on the game at all, Carl? Um, well, for the first, well, I think it's this is not the first time that Mike Vrabel has outcoached Bill Belichick because obviously in the previous game we had with the Tennessee Titans, they absolutely blew us up. I think it was, what, 34-10, I think it was, back in Tennessee. Um, I think Vrabel had had a, had a fantastic game plan, executed really, really well. And to add salt to the wounds, he found a loophole in a, in the false, in a false start that Belichick used in the game against the Jets in week yeah. three. And it completely rubbed Belichick up the wrong way. You just saw him just... just just in absolute anger at the officials. And we can all tell what he was saying, but I'm not going to say on this podcast. But um, <laughs> but um, nah, credit to Mike Vrabel. He, he, he's now 2-0 and against Bill Belichick. Not many of Belichick's disciples leave the Patriots and end up with a, end up with a winning record. Okay, obviously Josh McDaniels has beaten him and, and Bill O'Brien has finally beaten him, but Mike Vrabel's the only one who has really who's really cuffed Belichick in his games so far. Yeah, he has and he's um I like him as a coach actually. He's he's uh, ballsy is uh, one word I'd use for it. I went to the Titans Chargers game at Wembley last season and um I mean, I was just looking for extra football. Uh, if they'd kicked the field goal, they would have um, tied the game and gone into overtime, which I was happy to see as much football as possible in a, a live setting. But, mm. I mean, give me his due. He went for it. He went for the six points and um, came up short and the Chargers came away with the win. But he's he's carried that on 
um, the rest of the time he's been head coach and I'm sure he's not going to stop doing that anytime soon and I mean and going back to what you were just saying there about the the, the two minute runoff because of the, the loophole <laughs> fair play I mean I seen some people on the Sunday morning Sunday afternoon uh, having a, a dig at him but uh, we used it earlier in the season and I'm surprised nobody else has um, used it since and to, for the um, for the student to use that against the teacher was I mean hats off to him to be fair well yeah while um while every team is whinging about what Balachek uses his uses dark arts for it, it, you know Mike Vale just turned and said okay we'll do something about that then we'll just we'll just turn it on, we'll just turn it on you when we have the advantage and I think that's the first time any coach has done a, has done an end around on Bill Belichick regarding of a regarding of any sort of play. Yeah, I think you might be right, and I, I dare say that in the the bowels of the stadium afterwards, he he got a little wink and a handshake, saying, "Fair play, you 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 know you you turned it on me, and you you done well, son. Fair, fair play, fair play." You know, some of that ilk, of it, a little handshake and a wink would have definitely been exchanged. They might have even gotten a bottle of wine or something out of him as a, a token of his appreciation of the using the loophole rule or something like that, um, quite possibly as well. So, no, yeah, go, give me his due. He, he, he played it well. I can't take that away from him. I can't, you know say anything against it because we used it earlier in the season so it's there to be used until the the rule makers go and do something about it so with that being said with the the titans game um over and done with which has sadly ended the season um have you got any predictions or wants or needs or what you're looking for um come super bowl sunday is there anyone that i saw other posts that people are saying they're not rooting for other teams, but, you know, they've picked a player they'd like to see pick up the trophy or whatever sort of thing. Um, it's a bit difficult, really, because the only other team who I really actually wanted to win the Super Bowl, except for the Patriots, um, was the New Orleans Saints. I've always had I've always had a bit of a soft spot for them. And the last two years, they got... Their hearts broken by the Minneapolis Miracle, and then last season they got conned by the officials in the game in the NFC Championship against the Rams. So I feel like they needed some redemption, but that hasn't happened because they lost to the Vikings um, on Sunday. <laughs> there isn't really any a team I will root for. Um, if I had to say, if I had a prediction to who gets the Super Bowl, okay. I I still think it will be. I think what most fans probably want right now is Green Bay versus Kansas City, Aaron Rodgers versus um, Patrick Mahomes. That's probably the one everyone really wants. But for me, I would like to see the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens go at it one more time again. See, uh, I, do, I don't know. I would, I'd like to see the Ravens and 49ers because one of the, the funnest Super Bowls I've watched in... Um, recent memory was that one in New Orleans when we had the blackout um, I was at, um, well it was a, a, the basement of a pub they they used it as a sort of underground live venue at some stages and 
we set up a, a mini Super Bowl party and it was a lot more fun than you know <laughs> just sitting on your own in the in the house and and whatnot. It's but generally speaking, up my way at least, it's the pretty much the casino or nothing. There's one one pub that now does it that they will show the game right through. But Scottish licensing law is a weird thing, and that's why that year uh, of the the Ravens 49ers last time it was in the bowels of the um, down in the basement of the pub because that meant all the lights off, were off up, up the stairs um, so to the the naked eye it looked like the pub was closed um, but we had like 30 was it 30 odd guys 40 guys we had in a, a, a room about the size of your living room watching a big screen so it was <laughs> it was Quite lots bad. of fun yeah exactly we, we managed to get quite a few of the like chairs that you would use you know in the the old days at the school assembly or something those horrible plastic things you'll get in waiting rooms of doctors and such like we managed to set up maybe uh, what maybe 20 of those and then it was just standing room only at the back so it was fun from that point of view so reliving old old good memories but with those two um i'd like to see Vrabel get there just for you know, I like him as a coach and that. I, I don't know. I'm kind of down to the, I don't care who gets there. I'll just enjoy it pretty much. I stay up regardless every year to watch it. So um, nothing's going to change now just because the Patriots aren't in it. Um, luckily enough, it works out. My day off will be the Monday, so I don't need to take any holidays or anything this year for it. So no, I'm quite in, in a strange, sadly tinged out exciting sort of bipolar <laughs> type um, mindset I'm quite glad that we're not there because I can just now sit back and relax and watch it I don't have to be hiding behind the sofa so to speak especially last um, after last year's Super Bowl that was it was a great game and it was great that we won but and I didn't find it boring at all but it was I don't think I had any fingers left I've just taken till now to regrow them all back <laughs> we yeah uh, i think that us patriots fans we didn't find um last year's super bowl ball boring because because we won it but for every every person that wasn't either a patriots or a rams fan they they were probably having a snooze during the halftime game during the pepsi halftime show but um i think the best super bowl i can remember and i was actually in a pub and my father in um down in uh, uh down in Billericay in Essex and it was Super Bowl 51 the big comeback against the Falcons 28 points to free up and my dad was like what's the odds the Patriots to come back now and I said probably ridiculous and they said 10 to 1 he put 20 pounds on that bet and this was late into the third quarter as well <laughs> And the rest is history, frankly. And I remember, I remember very vaguely, what we got. I think it was the two-point conversion that Danny Amendola put through for us, which got us a tight, which got us a tied game. And I got on the top of my chair and I actually screamed, "Let's effing go!" <laughs> and and the, there was quite a few Patriots fans, and then they were all cheering and all that. And um, yeah. So, but that that's probably one of the more emotional Super Bowls I've ever watched in my in in my life, and also one of yeah. the fun, one also one of the fun as well. Yeah, it was definitely. I was at my um, well, Nick who um, hosts Patriot Nation UK with me. I was at his house. Um, his mum and dad had gone away for 
the weekend or something like that. And um, we were like, well, we're up now. We might as well carry on watching, even though you know it was a bit of a car crash. You you drive slowly past and you carry on watching, and regardless of what's happening. And then it was like, get one score back, another score back. And you're like, nah. No, no, it can't be happening, can't be happening. And then, obviously, as you say, um, history was written um, in the stars sort of thing. And, yeah, we, we came away with another ring. So, um, But, yeah, now that we're not there, I'm actually, in a way, I've, I've got mates that are 49ers fans. I'd like to see them do well for, for their, um, rooting for their team. But I don't want them to do well because it's obviously then impinging on the amount of Super Bowls that each organisation has and um, them being up up at the top as well would I'd prefer to keep us at the top of the perch and uh, win more Super Bowls but sadly it's not to be this year so I think um, I think we'll leave it there for now Carl we'll call this a day in this episode but um, I'd love to get you back on and we'll get either either or both, a deep dive into the, the season that's been or a look into the the prospect, the draft and all the rest of it that's to come in the off-season. Um, that's if you want to. You might not. You might have found this a boring experience you never want to talk against. Totally up to yourself. No, 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 absolutely not. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yes, I would love to, yes, I'd love to come back on. Hopefully, with your with your other friends as well, so it's, it's a three way conversation because there will be a, there can be a bit of a debate about what's happened this season. We may have our differences. I might have an opinion of one thing, which is a real bad thing, and either you or either you or your other or, or you or your other friends has said no. Actually, it's this was the issue and that sort of thing. And the last thing I want. Is to turn it is turn this into a, is turn this into a boxing match, but um, <laughs> but I love doing, but that's what I do on um, sportscast. So I always try and I, I put my views across, but I also try and put a little bit of animation into it as well. Not I, I probably watch too many American shows to be honest, <laughs> but um, no, it'll be a, no, it'll be a joy to um, to come back on your podcast again. I, I have really enjoyed it. So thank excellent, you. Um, perfect, Carl. Well. Um, speaking of sportscaster and such like um, where can people um, find you online on Twitter and on sportscaster etc where can they where can they catch up with you um, well my you well my name on Twitter is at BritishPat28 um, so you can follow me on there and sportscaster is the same and on, on sportscaster it's, it, it's the same there as well BritishPat28 Um my backdrop is obviously, um, I think it was when the Patriots played in the AFC Championship game and it's got the Patriots logo as my main profile picture. So you'll be able to find me on Sportscast there as well. I send, um, I do videos um, during the regular season twice a week to so do a preview show and a recap as well. Plus, I also do a little bit of neutral um, stuff as well. So I'm not, so I'm not too biased but I but I've had a real good time this season scoffing over the Dallas Cowboys screwing up their season once again over Jason Garrett. So <laughs> yeah, well he's he's finally out the window it seems, and we'll see um, see how they get um, 
how they get on next season. But yeah, once again, Carl, thanks very much. And um, any of the Patriots Nation listening, you can um, catch um, Carl at BritishBat28 and the same on Sportscaster um, with ourselves. It's PatriotsNationUK.com as the website. Um, For now, that might be changing in the not-too-distant future. Um, Pats Nation UK pod on Twitter. I have been at Matt Inkster. You can also find Nick when um, he's on Twitter and um, talking Pats um, with me on here on Patriots Nation UK. You can find him on Twitter at the underscore panic. Um, but for now, until next time, just remember, do your job as there are no days off.